Being that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month, today's episode pays homage to the Vietnamese experience and to those who've come before us, who've sacrificed their lives to ensure that immigrant kids like me could have a foundation upon which to stand, especially as we build our own lives and create even greater pathways for future generations. The struggle, the resolve, the determination, that's all real. Our stories are beautiful and ambitious, inspiring and audacious. And it's really through the voices of everyday people just like you and I that we as a collective group are able to share to help others understand what it means to be part of both the Vietnamese diaspora of days gone by and the very beautiful, very American experience that continues today. I'd like to introduce you to someone whose personal journey and whose love for life is so enduring and so real that you can't help but smile just listening to her. This is Elsa Nguyen, and not so long ago, this was our conversation on a quiet Saturday morning. I like happy endings. I like happy story. You know, I like to watch comedy. I, I hate drama. <laughs> and I, I believe that our life is just like that. You know, I can choose to wake up and smile and feel that I am so blessed today, that I am healthy, that I can walk, I can breathe. Or I can choose to feel sorry for myself. Like, why did this happen to me? Why did that happen to me? So we have total control over that. She's not wrong, you know. We really do have the option to see our lives and to see ourselves from any perspective we choose. On the one hand, we could spend our days hoping and waiting for acceptance and believing that we're deserving of more that society somehow owes us a debt of gratitude for having lived our lives. Or on the other hand, we could follow Elsa's lead. We could find strength to live with selfless generosity and hope. And we could spend our days working on our dreams and realizing our own potential while paying it forward and helping others around us. I came from a a very uh, poor childhood growing up in Vietnam in a village where, you know, we had no utilities, no electricity and so on and so forth, barefoot all the time. And we were lucky enough that we got to come to this country. Through that experience, I quickly realized that I, I got to go to the land of opportunity where millions and millions of people dream of that they don't have the, they didn't have the opportunity to, but I did. By the way, in case you're wondering, this isn't a story about discrimination or the injustices that naturally come along with an immigrant experience, but rather, as you'll easily pick up throughout the conversation, it's a story that seeks to acknowledge all the beauty that's oftentimes forgotten and the fact that Throughout such an experience, there's light. And as Elsa continues to share, that light can be as bright as you want it to be. So I remember the first time on an airplane, I was just amazed, right? 
like, like we barely see cars in our life. And now I'm sitting on an airplane that takes us to America, right? And that was just an amazing, awesome experience, like undescribable because like, wow, what kind of world am I living in? And I remember we, um, when we came to Thailand um, in the refugee camp, we were there for three days and they picked us up in a bus. On a highway, you would see cars go one way and the other. So you see all the red lights and all the bright lights. And to me, that was the most amazing experience at all. I've never seen that in my life. And I just looked at the freeway and I was in awe. Wow, to be 13 years old and to have that type of a life-changing moment, it must have felt incredible and somewhat ridiculous at the same time, right? I mean, how do you go from a moment like that to focusing on the practicality of life? Like where to live or what to do just to make it through the day? We <laughs> we live in our sponsor house. And it was like a three-bedroom house for like a month. And then we rented a one-bedroom apartment um, right next to them. And we are a family of six people. And we all cram into one-bedroom apartment. We converted the garage to a sleeping space for us. But it was like a four 450-square-foot apartment for six people. But to me, at that time, we were living like a luxury life because I didn't know any better. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, like we get electricity. We can just turn on the light. We had TV. I got bit by a rat sleeping at night, I remember. <laughs> a rat came and bit me on the face. I'm like, what was that? So I went off and cleaned myself. But even that, for that very humble experience, like, it was amazing, right? Because I only knew what I knew. Um, at that time and came from a so much poorer environment than that one 400 square foot apartment. So I never felt like I was poor in any sense, just because I came from so much uh, worse environment than that. But looking back, I'm so grateful for where I grew up and where I came from. You know, as a very young child who left for the States with his mom, I can't actually say I remember much of anything. And sometimes it pains me to even say that because our emigration was such a monumental part of my life. I just wish I could understand and internalize how it felt to move on to an entirely new world where the deafening memories of war were literally replaced by dreams of the future. You, on the other hand, came to the States after spending 13 years in Vietnam. You already had aspirations for yourself back there. And to the extent possible, you had already dreamt of a future for yourself in Vietnam. And so I'm so curious to know how all those dreams were able to transcend the vastness of a really big ocean, not to mention a completely new way of life in the States. So during the Vietnam War, you either worked on the communist side or you worked on the Republican side. And my dad was, um, um, he was a, um, he was on the Republican side. So he fought during the war. And after um, it was over in 1975, unfortunately, he had to go to prison for a few years because he served the country. And I believe in 1990, when um, John McCain 
came up with this program when he decided to bring all the people, all the prisoners of war that had served the Vietnam War, to come to America. Even the just the fact that my mom gathered up enough courage to go and apply for us to leave, that took a lot of courage from her. And thank God um, that um, she 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 just got so fed up with the life over there. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to go to jail. So she went up. She filed for the uh, the paperwork, and we finally got accepted to leave the country. So a year after we started that paperwork in 1991, uh, they accepted for us to leave the country. We came here, uh, the whole family on plane. Thanks God, we didn't have to go by boat. So that's how that's how our, that's our immigrant story is is we got sponsored by the U.S. government to come here because my father served in the war. You know what, Elsa? What you just said about your father's service to the country. Especially during a time of war, that resonates so much with me, and I just wanted to say thank you to him and to those who have served before us. It's truly those universal sacrifices that paved all of our paths as Vietnamese immigrants. Honestly, I can't imagine what must have been going through your mind when he was finally released, and when your family found out about this opportunity to. Pursue a brand new life. How comparable was that to something like, say, winning the lottery? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. I honestly, I barely had any memory of that other than, um, because we have to do that in secret, right? It's not like you get to go out and advertise that, but. Until we knew that, until we had the passport in hand, with the stamp, with the with the ticket, then that when we made the announcement. Um, but until we got all the paperwork, that's when we decided. I remember, my dad was like, "I'm going to throw the biggest party that we can throw," <laughs> and because we grew up in the village, and I remember that day, everybody knew we were leaving because we had. Invited, I don't know, probably two, three hundred people that came. All of us got to invite our friends to come if we wanted to. So I invited people, my teachers, and some of my classmates to come to the party. Um, we had music all day long. It was just like a, a one-day party because we get to go to America, and there was no more secret at the time. And it was just like, oh, I can't believe that we're going to go to America. You know, it's just like a, it's like living in a dream. That is such an amazing journey, and such a disparate path that most of us can even imagine. I see now how that's contributed to the way you see yourself within this world, and I give you so much credit for always bearing the responsibility on your own shoulders to track down and find success. As you mentioned earlier, though, no truly authentic success story stands on its own without the actual success, and more specifically. The hard work and determination it takes to continually move forward and to accomplish things on a daily basis. Tell me more about what it's taken for you, as an individual, to achieve all those big dreams of yours. <laughs> you know, it wasn't. It, it was so big that I couldn't even 
Adam what it's going to be like for me. But knowing myself, growing up, I always, you know how you play pretend, right? And I always I always pretend to be like a businesswoman. Like I, I always wanted to be a businesswoman. <laughs> and that was just my childhood dream. Uh, travel the world, be a businesswoman and just, and and just do business as an entrepreneur, right? So that was that was my childhood dream. But of course, you know, with us Vietnamese people, it's all about education, right? You got to study, you got to get a degree, you can have to focus on school. So that's all I knew. Like when I'm here, um, my job is to study. My job is just to focus on school and get a degree and get a good job. That's all I knew back then. And I also knew that America was will give us so much more opportunity than had we stay in Vietnam. So my dream was, you know, just to come here and to study and get a get a degree. That's that's all I could think of with my limited mindset at the time. Even though I always dreamt of being a businesswoman, it didn't even you know come to my mind like how I can go about achieving that dream. So it it was a long process for me to get to where I am today um, from, I'm 43 years old now. And I really started this real estate business about three years ago. It took me that long to finally take it of the fate and quit my uh, W-2 job and uh, say that I'm going to go into real estate full-time and I'm going to buy commercial buildings, not just houses for people. I started out as a real estate agent for some, for a period of time, about a year or two. But I, I also knew like, this is not my calling, right? I, I know I wanted to not just to become a real estate agent and buy properties for people, but to own those assets myself. It's a process, and I don't know what it's going to be like for me five or 10 years from now. Um, and again, that is one of the surprises that I'm excited to see how all that going to be unveiled for the time to come. But for now, I know that I'm stepping into the promised land, the life that I feel like I was created to live because there was the thing that I imagined in my mind when I was five, seven years old. You know what I mean? Sometimes you play pretend and you're like, this is what I want to be, right? And I feel like I'm starting, I'm finally stepping into that promised land right now. Okay, so that was June of uh, 2018 and 2019. I met this um, developer who um, buys land. And so I approached her. I met her and I approached her and I asked her if I can partner with you. And of course, she'll say no. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, fine. Fast forward, um, she called me up and she go, hey, Elsa, I'm actually um, not with that developer anymore. I'm going to go out and open my own firm. And uh, I'm just giving you a call because you're one of my investors and to let you know that I'm no longer with Noah Holding. Uh, so again, I offer her uh, my job, you know, my services. I say, do you need a partner? <laughs> this time she didn't say no right away, but she's, she, she go, you know, let me think about it. And what I did was that I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to come hang out with you every day in your office because I'm doing real estate anyway. And I said, okay. And she goes, sure, yeah, if you want to come. So every day I came to her office and I worked with her because she was by herself. And I sat right next to her and I just did my real estate job. Um, three months later, she goes, what can you do for me if I were to offer you 
uh, a JV position, right? So, so anyway, that's how I got myself into development and partnered with this woman. Um, and I told her, you know, um, my background is all finances. I was a controller for the last company. Uh, I can definitely look at all the numbers, right? So you can handle all the development, you can do all the work, and you can leave the number of projects. So I know there's a lot more to share about this part of your career and all the complexities involved in becoming a full-fledged real estate investor. But talk about the benefits of being persistent and going after what you want. That's just amazing. And it's quite a story in and of itself. Honestly, Elsa, I can't say enough about how inspirational you are as a person. As someone who has the privilege of sharing these podcasts, I just wanted to let you know how appreciative I felt when I was just sitting here in my office listening to you speak. Even through a recording of our conversation, you radiate a sense of optimism that I think is so beautiful and so needed in today's world. And I thank you for that. And so I'm hoping you'll take us home and share with us your thoughts on how we can make tomorrow a better version of today. You don't have to be rude about it. We don't have to be aggressive, right? But we still have to be persistent in what in what we want to achieve and um, do it slowly. And opportunities will open, right? As long as you don't, as long as we don't give up and we do it slowly and kindly, eventually you'll learn along the way and opportunities will present itself. There, there are always opportunities and a lot of time you know, when we look at successful people and we say, oh, you're so lucky you met that person. And from that person, you get all of this happen to you. Yes and no, right? You could meet the right person right now. But if you are not prepared to take on that opportunity, you know, that meeting with that person, that divine meeting is not going to take you anywhere unless you're ready for it too. So we have to also work on ourselves better ourselves, right, with whatever we want to do. So that when the opportunity come, when that one person come, you seize the opportunity and you make, you know, you create opportunity for yourself. So it's a process. It's a learning process. It's a growing process. And uh, opportunities will always come. So I believe in the abundance mindset is not just, oh, I missed my opportunity. I'm done for the rest of my life. No, you know, other opportunities will come. There will be more people that you meet. So that's okay. You know, you miss it, but pick yourself back up again and let's do it over again, right? I learned, hopefully we'll learn a lesson this time and be more prepared for it um, when it's arise. I read once in college that through harsh winters and beautiful springs. And I suppose those words are even more meaningful today than they were back then. As an immigrant whose path had been completely altered at a very vulnerable time in life, Elsa has chosen many times over to write her own narrative, one of success and perseverance, and most importantly, gratitude and faith. She's further proof that life is really what you make of it. That our stories are ours to write 
and to rewrite as we see fit so that we can authentically represent our communities and so that we may stand tall as the unique individuals who've come together to help build this nation with intention and purpose. In case you're wondering, Elsa currently serves as a principal for One Sunrise Holdings, where she's still paying it forward and helping others from all walks of life create generational wealth through investments in real estate. And I'm proud that she's a neighbor of sorts, as we're both living in Fremont, California, continuing to do right by those before us, raising our children to embrace the power of possibility and the value of plain old hard work. And of course, relentlessly and unabashedly continuing to dream big dreams. You know how it is, fam. If you're new to this podcast, welcome home. May is always a special month. We're hoping you enjoyed this episode and that you'll be adding us to your playlist. If you'd like to collaborate on a personal or professional development project, reach out on LinkedIn or good old-fashioned email at info at lockwin.com.